0: and welcome back to the podcast thanks for coming on back so today we're going to be talking about dove hunting specifically we're talking about dove hunting down in yuma this is something that i've never experienced you know i've dove hunted ever since i moved to arizona but i have not gone down to yuma to experience that uh uh, festival i guess you could call it it's not really a festival it's not that's probably not the right word for it but it's just that experience um you know, the, uh, of the whole community coming together to support this this hunt, this dove hunting for the season, this 15-day early season that that we have. Uh, I, have a, I have a couple of really cool guests today. Um, I am not going to introduce them. Their names are probably going to be in the. They're probably already in the title of this, so you've probably already read it. But I'm going to let them actually introduce themselves. Uh, and I think it's a policy I'm going to take going forward is rather than me just giving up the ghost early i'll let them too to, because you know, who who better to talk about yourself than yourself you know uh so anyways it's a really cool episode we go into some you know what is there to do in near in in yuma uh some regs some stuff to remember um some different events happening around there some programming to help you find a new spot to to dove hunt just some really cool information and some uh Telling you about some different resources that you can use to you know kind of hone in your your Yuma dove experience uh, but of course Yuma is not the only place to dove hunt in Arizona uh, obviously we can hunt here you know the East Valley kind of died off last year uh, which is a, a definite shame because that was where my spot was so I know this year I'm gonna be hunting some new areas uh, trying to learn some new spots cause, I mean, I can scout it but until I got boots on the ground with a shotgun in my hand, uh, you know I'll find. Out, you know go figure out those little nuances for these new areas. Um, but we have a few different hunts coming up within the Outdoor Skills Network. For uh, so folks that don't know, the Outdoor Skills Network is a one-stop shop for things to do in Arizona. Um, it's a one-stop shop. It's, it's where a myriad of the NGOs and non-government organizations are, the critter groups, where you want to call them, go on and. They all post their their events in the same place. So, all the youth events, all the women's events, all the, the hunt camps, the family camps, um, they all get put, put in one spot. Uh, you can Google just Outdoor Skills Network. It's going to be the first one that pops up. The, the URL is going to be register ed. Um, but that's got multiple different stuff on it that AGGFD uses. Um, but we're specifically talking about the Outdoor Skills Network. Uh, we have women's and wheel and sportsmen. Hunts at Robbins Butte, put on by NWTF. We have uh, youth dove hunts at Robbins Butte. We have youth dove hunts in Yuma. We have youth dove hunts in Safford, um, and then going past the doves, you know, start getting into predator camps and uh, squirrel camps, and you know, then you have your drawn stuff, your deer camps, elk camps, javelina camps, um, small game camps. So just um, we're just filling it right up with stuff. Uh, Habitat projects. If you're interested in just going and you know, helping out on a habitat project and maybe learning and meeting these these folks that are in these organizations, maybe you want to learn more about hunting in Arizona, it's a great place to start a conversation and it kind of proves that you're not just in it for the spots, if you're doing boots on the ground conservation. And that's the other nice part is that this is boots on the ground. You are directly helping the habitat and wildlife of Arizona. So uh we're putting out more and more habitat projects um letting more and more folks know that these projects are happening um yeah so just go on there and and check it out uh last thing i want to mention because for folks that don't know you know i love deer hunting i love uh elk hunting i love big game hunting but i am a bird nerd at heart um if it's got feathers i am a fanatic about it uh so, one really, really cool thing that is happening here in Arizona, it's, I forget what year it is, but this is definitely not the first year of this program, but it's called the Small Game Challenge. So, what this is, is uh, it's not a contest or anything like that. Um, it's just a, a, a challenge for folks to get out and experience uh, new ways of hunting or, or, or targeting new species and really experiencing everything that Arizona has to offer. So this is in partnership with uh, Arizona Game and Fish Department. So it's a $25 registration, but for every entry, the Valley of the Sun chapter of Quail forever will match your $25. So that's fifty dollars going back into conservation uh, for you to get uh, participate in this challenge um, of which there are four. It's not just you know one thing it's it's four. So the first year if you complete one, you get a really cool metal plaque with a uh, metal plate. You know, then inscribe your year, what challenge you completed, and that goes on there. And then every subsequent challenge that you do, you get a new plate to put on your plaque. Um, like I said, there's four challenges. Uh, the first one, I'm just I'm not on the website right now. Uh, to register, you would go on to V O T S Q F. That stands for the Valley of the Suns quailforever.com you go on there click the little hamburger menu in the top left corner, Um, I'm on my phone obviously, Uh, it's going to see small game challenge, click on that, go check it out Uh, the first one is going to be a native quail challenge, so that is successfully harvesting uh, a gambles quail, a murns quail, and a scaled quail, Uh, goes on from there to the ultimate upland which is those three species in addition to dusky grouse and chucker. Um, the desert small game challenge. So for those first two, you have to harvest every one of those species to qualify. For the next two, you only have to harvest five, but there's seven species to choose from, being the three native quails, cottontail rabbits, white-winged doves, collared doves, and mourning doves. That'll get you the desert small game challenge. Then there's the mountain small game challenge, which is the dusky grouse, the chucker, the band-tailed pigeon, cottontail abert squirrel the kaibab squirrel and a red squirrel and again that's seven but you only need to harvest five to qualify so that's just a really cool thing they've been doing in Arizona um like I said I'm not sure how many years it's been going on it's been happening ever since I moved to Arizona so all of five years uh so just a really cool program um and really encourages small game hunting in Arizona because uh, I mean, th- you don't need a tag for it. You just buy a license and go hunting. Um, minimum gear requirements, minimum legal requirements, um, more hunting opportunities. Uh, it's it's really hard to go wrong with small game hunting unless you want to fill the freezer quickly. Uh, then yeah, small game hunting is not going to do that <laughs> unless you get into a mess load of doves doves. Um, but then you get run into possession issues. Uh, so don't do that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to like. Hit the record or uh, hit this little button here, and the next thing you're going to hear is our podcast with our two awesome guests. No, um, just so you guys know, I just hit the record button, so from here on, don't cuss.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> copy that. All
0: right, so, so what do we think? We want to dive into this,
1: sure, yeah.
0: All right, so. I guess first things first, if you guys, uh, I know before I hit record, everybody kind of did already, but um, if you guys wouldn't mind introducing yourselves, you know, who am I talking to today? So, Yosie, you want to go first?
2: Yeah, sure. So, my name is Yozi Heink. I am the wildlife manager for Units 40B West and 46B out of the Yuma office for the Arizona Game and Fish Department. Uh, for those who really don't know what ma- wildlife managers are, we are state certified peace officers. And our work duties include enforcing game and fish laws, but it's not limited to just game and fish law. We also work watercraft patrols on our state's public waterways. We do off-highway vehicle patrol, but we also have a biological side, and we do things like wildlife surveys, wildlife pickups, um, really fun stuff like that. So we're a good mix of about 50% law enforcement and 50% uh, biologists. We love to keep wildlife wild, obviously, and protect our state's natural resources so that our future generations can enjoy them just as much as we do. So, yeah, that's me here in a little bit of a nutshell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Yosi, how long have you been a wildlife manager?
2: Yeah, I've been a wildlife manager for five and a half years. Every day is new. Every day is challenging. And so that's what keeps it exciting. I really enjoy it.
0: Sounds like a good plugger. If somebody wanted to join up, sounds like a good recruitment plugger right there.
1: Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, we need people. So I would. Yeah, I she it. she would know. She's covering a lot of districts. So yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make life a little bit easier for you. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, we have Yozy, Uh, Zara. How about you? You want to give us a rundown on who you are?
1: Yeah, sure. So, my name is Zara Kedwai, and I work as a landowner relations program specialist in the Region 4 of Arizona Game and Fish Department. Um, this is a partnership position between Pheasants Forever and Game and Fish, uh, and my par- primary work includes developing a habitat improvement and recreational access projects, which means I actually help with habitat um, restoration with landowners in their land where they do not get enough funding or technical assistance. I can help them out with it. I can um, help them with grants and stuff and compliance and everything. And I also help hunters to find private land ownerships that are otherwise inaccessible to them by getting in um, cooperative agreements with the private landowners and uh, give their private lands for access for that point of time or hunting uh season or something like that. So it's mostly helping wildlife, helping um landowner, and helping the hunters all in, you know, one thing. So I try to work with private landowners and the people who have leased their land from uh, BLM or State Trust land to be able to do what I do.
0: Very cool. So so we're going to talk about that landowner stuff a bit later on because uh, I actually did that similar work back in New York State with uh, working with landowners. So I'm definitely interested in how and how Arizona goes about it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so we're here. We're going to be talking about dove hunting, specifically dove hunting in Yuma. Um, Yosey, do you mind breaking down, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, how how is the dove hunting in Yuma? Is it pretty good down there?
2: Yes. Yeah, so... I would consider Yuma the dove hunting capital capital of the world. It's a really big deal for our fairly small town. And it's so much more than what people might just see on the surface, so much more than just hunting. Uh, for starters, our dove hunt generates over $1 million in revenue for our local economy. So it's a big deal for us um, here in Yuma. Our local restaurants and hotels really benefit from the business that the dove hunt brings every single September. This you know small two week long season uh, in preparation for our opener, our community puts out welcome signs on the on roads. Businesses will put out uh, welcome signs in their windows, and oftentimes restaurants will actually offer food specials, and hotels will set up cleaning stations to give our hunters as great an experience as possible. Um, the, our dove hunt has really helped Yuma grow as a town over the years. And there's more amenities available and more things to do you know after the hunt once you bag out for the morning so even though our you know it sounds like a lot we still have that really cool unique small town feel about you know hunting here in yuma especially if you know you're coming from phoenix escaping that big city feel it's actually really a really nice escape and i talk to people from all over the country i mean we get people from california from texas all over all over there's even some people that come in from out of the country to dove hunt every single year it's really it truly is incredible um and of course dove hunting isn't just about you're getting your daily bag limit it's really about making memories with your family and friends i mean every single year i run into hunters out in the field who've returned to yuma literally generation after generation, year after year to hunt and make special memories. Uh, the fact that Yuma is largely an agricultural town has really helped to support dove habitat and hunt opportunity, which is awesome. And that's what keeps these people coming back year after year. So we're always happy to see local hunters and out of towners return you know, every September and we really appreciate it. And of course we couldn't do You know, our dove season, our dove season wouldn't be as successful without the support of our local businesses, sponsors, organizations like Sprague Sports, Visit Yuma, Yuma Valley Rod and Gun Club, Southwest Wildlife Foundation, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, and Pheasant Forever and Quail Forever. So I know that was a lot, but (laughs) I hope that kind of gave you, again, a little bit of a snapshot of why Yuma is so special and why this is such a big deal for us.
1: But I want to add, Jesse, that it's just so uh, fun to watch the community uh, get together during this time. And even Yosi would agree to this because it's just, it's, a, it's not exactly like a hunting season, it's like a carnival. It's like something's going on for that time when the season is up. And it's just amazing to watch the con- uh, all the communities coming together for um, this season. So that's really fun.
0: Yeah, cause I know just being. Uh, so I mean, I'm a Phoenician. You know, I I hunt around the Phoenix area. Right. Um, I have yet to come down to Yuma. I'm hoping to. I'm hoping to get there this season for the dove, for the Dove opener. But I always hear about it. You know, and hearing about how like um, the like the cookoffs and the uh, contests and the, the you know going and getting your food done up at the diner. I'm always hearing stories about all the the just how cool Yuma is in September. Um, Yeah, and all this is doing is make me want to really double down and get there this year. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like
2: the atmosphere is pretty electric. It's like it's just exciting being, and everyone's excited, so that all rubs off. And yeah, everything you mentioned is just really cool to be in with in a group of like-minded individuals. You know, all who are there for very similar reasons.
0: So in. So, I mean, obviously up here, you know, I'm used to hunting Phoenix, um, but for the folks that maybe new to, well, new to dove hunting, I mean, I never shot a dove before in my life until I moved to Arizona because it's not legal where I moved here from, um, mm-hmm. but what, so we're, I mean, obviously we have like morning doves, I mean, there's morning doves, you know, they're freaking everywhere. Um yeah. What, are they the only dove we're allowed to, allowed to hunt in Arizona or we have multiples? No.
2: Yeah, so we have, technically, we have five species in dove of dove in Arizona. But I'm going to talk about the three that you are legally allowed to shoot, legally allowed to hunt. So you mentioned the morning dove, which, you know, is char- it's the smallest of our dove species. It's has a brownish tint to it with these characteristic black specks on the wing. And again, you, mo- you mentioned it's probably the most common dove that we see around. We also have our white-winged dove which is larger in body size than the morning dove and it has more of a gray tone in its plumage and a very distinctive white stripe on its shoulder that runs down its wing. Um, And then we also have the Eurasian collared dove, which is an introduced species, uh, even larger than the white winged dove. It has that similar gray tint, but a very distinctive black stripe on its neck. And we do have limits. I know you said, what am I allowed to hunt? So our, our hunting limits are 15 dove. It, so it could be a combination of morning and white wing. But if you do have a combination, no more than 10 of those can be white wing dove. And when it comes to Eurasian collar doves, that's unlimited because it is an introduced species. And you know, I've talked to hunters out in the field who like to hunt Eurasian because they taste exactly the same. And it's unlimited, and they're way bigger, so more bang for your butt.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a lot, too. A lot of guys just, uh, always say they like hunting the – well, they got some secret spots so they can go out and, and hunt those Eurasians, and that's right. always the common is you get – you know, for the same – for the cost of one shot, shot, you get double the amount of meat.
1: Right. Exactly. That's if
0: you can hit the – if you can hit in the first place.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so – All right, so I want to come down to Yuma. Um, There's always a lot of folks down there. You know, there's always uh, the public lands always get hit pretty hard. So, Zara, Mm -hmm. you're mentioning some private land ownership stuff earlier. Uh, What does that entail? What does that look like down in Yuma?
1: So, um, as you know, most of uh, the community here in Yuma are of growers uh, and ranchers. And the growers have private parcels where they... Mostly now, currently, grow leafy greens or produce uh, that we call. But Yuma has always been great about having the dove numbers. We've, we've always had a great numbers of doves because of the growing community that had been growing crops that are, you know, dove crops that include like millets, wheat, milo, sorghum. Um, so those are, those are the crops that kind of attract all these doves. And because of that, at this time, uh, we have a lot of doves. If you look around Yuma right now, there are millions of them. They (laughs) have been like that. But it has gone down a little bit because produce and leafy greens tend to um, become more popular. And it was uh, more beneficial for the grower to grow those um, leafy greens or those kind of things. So they started removing the crops earlier in the season um, to prepare the land for leafy greens or produce. And that kind of declined the Dove numbers a bit. So this was kind of prompted, this prompted this program, which is called Dove Plot Partnership Program. And it was started under my landowner relations program. And um, it's kind of a sub part of this program where I talk with the landowner and ask them to leave a part of their land for growing dove favorite crops um, and also to allow access to hunters to those parcels during the season for that they get financial and technical assistance from game and fish department and it depends on how long they want the agreement to go it's a cooperative agreement but they cannot post their land during that time as no trespassing in that but it's just if you think about it, the axis is just for 15 days for the season, unless they want to keep it up for the late season too. And all they have to do is prepare their land and leave it at that, not remove it for produce or anything else. So it kind of helps to have those birds in those areas. And like Yossi said, we have so many species of birds here for doves, and those doves have different way of foraging so for instance morning doves and eurasian collared doves are like ground feeders and uh white wing doves are perch feeders that means they they are a little off the ground when they then they feed and they usually perch on the seed heads when they feed Mm. so we try to put that incorporate that all in our agreements to make sure that it favors all kinds of doves and uh, our hunters get the opportunity to hunt you know all kinds of doves so that would be pretty fun for them to have all three species of dove in one time of hunting so so yeah that's basically what the what the project is what the program is and we try to encourage all these private landowners to to call us talk to us about it get to know about it it's a pretty good um, program it just asks people to let hunters in their land for that set amount of time and um, give them more opportunity to hunt
0: that's really cool. So if I'm going down to Yuma, um, you know I'm John Q. Public coming down. Uh, I'm from Phoenix. I'm not familiar with the Yuma area. How how do I find out like what's legal? Like where can I? Go? How do I know that these, these these lands are open to so I can go hunt them?
1: So we have a, we have just prepared a website for people that are coming from outside, and we have that website is called YumaDeHunting And that has a whole map of showing where you can go, um, how you can get there in those areas. We have a few locations that are general locations that they can go and hunt that has public lands. Uh, One of them is very famous, the Quigley Wildlife Area. And um, right now, most people go in those locations because of that website, because they go on that website and see all these locations. But we have other locations that have a lot of doves in yuma are like hila valley or dome valley and um cibola wildlife refuge they all there are certain tribal lands uh, that also allow you to go and dove hunt um but you need a specific permit to be able to hunt on the tribal lands Uh, and similar to wildlife refuge or yuma proving ground you need uh, a there has to be a designated area where you can go and hunt and all those locations all those details you can find on that website that's
0: yuma okay so that's really cool yeah because i've been mm-hmm. uh before we jumped on here i was actually cruising around that website because if you type um i just typed in yuma Hunt. i just googled it and then you know that was uh-huh. the first the, actually the first option that popped up so i've been uh cruising through that and it's pretty pretty cool i like how they got the countdown going on because as we're sitting here right now as say? Four weeks, one day, 13 hours, 35 minutes, and counting down in seconds. Um, mm, right. So a lot of information on that, on the Yuma Dove Hunting site. Um, I mean, I could say you're doing a yeah. whole podcast episode. Just talk about that website a little and everything else.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that website was actually, it was an idea developed by um, one of our um, co workers with Arizona and Fish Department. And he kind of started it, but there were... A lot of community members and all these partners that came together and we actually build it from the scratch. So it is currently managed by Arizona Game and Fish Department, but we are, we are managing it uh, temporarily for the time being to be able to put it to a platform where we can hand it over to the community and they can actually take care of all these community partners from Yuma. They're really, um, they are really, they are very interested in reaching people out through that website. So we are trying to, for instance, if you go to the events tab, you will be able to see all these events that we have, and you'll see all these different people and all these different partners that we have that are actually doing something on in the dove season. And then if you go to the FAQ section, you'll be able to see um, all these common questions about dove hunting in Yuma. And uh, the partners in conservation tab tells you all about the plot program um, the partners we currently have, you know the private lands that we actually are allowed to hunt, and all those parts you get you know all these basic small, small details that you don't really get in one place it's a very good platform which was developed because of our partners and you know our our people in game and fish department
0: yeah cause i'm just I'm just sitting here flipping through it, and like i said there's stuff everywhere um so much information for to, to digest and, you know, everything we're talking about here, looks like everything we're talking about is already on here, so it's going to be awesome to, to sit down and cruise through and, you know, try to learn some more.
2: Right. And I think, I mean, I think everyone's goal is to make that information as accessible as possible, especially for someone who might be new to dove hunting or for someone coming, you know, from out of state, out of country, uh, just to give them, you know, the best the, the greatest advantage they possibly can have. We want this to be a fun experience. We don't want you guys stressed out looking at all these different places for all the information you need. So that's, I think, where that website really hit the nail on the head.
0: Oh, for sure. Cause, I mean, I'm sit- on the tab now. It's uh, uh, what was the header for this? Oh, yeah, just um, the hunting regulations, you know, 2022, 2022 dove hunting regs. Um, And this is something that, you know, in my daily job I get questions on. Uh, so what, so if I'm John Key Public going, it doesn't matter if I'm hunting Yuma or Phoenix or Flagstaff, if I can find a dove up there, um, you know, what, what do I need as a hunter to come down and, you know, and enjoy this?
2: Yeah. So we do have some legal requirements before you decide to partake in dove hunting. Every adult 18 years and older is required to purchase an Arizona hunting or combi- combination license, as well as a migratory bird stamp to legally hunt dove here in Arizona. Now, that's just adults. I want to talk a little bit about our youth hunters as well, because you would be surprised how many youth hunters we get out in the field. It's actually probably my favorite part about patrolling the dove hunt is seeing all the kids out with their families. So right. for our youth, yeah, it's it's really cool seeing I don't know, they're just, it's enjoying themselves, you know, making memories and knowing that they'll probably do that when they grow up and have their own children. So our youth hunters ages 10 through 17 are required to have a youth combination license. It's $5, whether you're a resident or non-resident, and they don't have to buy a migratory bird stamp on top of it. As long as they have their $5 license, they are good to go. Any youth hunter that is younger than 10 years of age is not required to have a hunting license as long as they are accompanied by a fully licensed adult. And a fully licensed adult can have up to two under 10 youth hunters, if that makes sense, in the most of simplest terms. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that came across pretty good. Um, So one of the questions I always have, and I always get confused on it when folks... um. Ask me is so where I'm from we only ever had the the federal migratory bird stamp. Mm-hmm. In Arizona that's not the bird stamp that's referenced when for the required one for dove hunting, correct? Or am I incorrect?
2: Well, dove are a federally protected bird. So I it's my impression that this is a migratory bird stamp uh Issue, you know, we sell it at our office and you can buy it online, but I believe it is a federal migratory bird stamp. and g- Yeah, that gives you well, that ability to hunt these migratory birds. Right.
0: Well, where I was kind of going is that there's the, the duck stamp, the $25 one, but then we also have yes. our own Arizona-specific one.
2: Yes, and I actually have seen dove hunters who show me their duck stamp. Uh, but we're, we're looking for your $5 migratory $5. bird stamp. Yep.
0: Okay. See, that's where, that's why, like, even I get confused with it. Um, like this is part of my daily life too. And it's, uh, cause folks will, you know, will say, well, I got my, my stamp and it's, it's got a picture of a redhead on it when it should right. be a, right. a dove. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, you can, where, where can you procure the, the state stamps?
2: Yep. So we recommend um, most of our hunters, it, buy it online. It's the easiest, simplest thing to do. Um, and then we will fully accept whether you decide to print it out after you've purchased it online or show us a mobile copy on your phone. Either works as a valid proof. Uh, we're not going to give you a hard time if you show it to us on your phone. I know that's a common question that a lot of hunters have out in the field. They're like, hey, can I show it on my phone? Is that, is that okay? A hundred percent. So whether you decide to print it out, show us on your phone or both, that works. So that's why we cr- recommend doing it online. You can also walk into any one of our game and fish offices throughout the state and purchase uh, uh, your hunting license and bird stamp. Or we have third party retailers all across the state where you can also purchase your hunting license and migratory bird stamp.
0: So by third party, I'm assuming you're talking like Sportsman's, Bass Pro's, Spragues, those those sorts yep. of places.
2: Yep. And um, like Walmart. But the reason why I recommend you guys purchase it online is because a lot of these third party retailers will direct you to a computer that they have sitting within their store. So you're right. basically doing the same thing that you would at home. You're just going into a store to do that. So definitely doing it online or from from your very you know the comfort of your home on your phone is probably the simplest easiest way
0: to go about it. Yeah, because I know my favorite way is you know I go on I I purchase my yearly license then I just take a screenshot of it. Right. Right. I recently found out that I can create albums in my my photo app. I didn't know I could do that before.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I always tell people, because there will always be hunters, and they're like, wait, give me a second, let me look through my photos, Right. and you can create albums, but you can also heart photos, and it'll put it in its own separate album, so just heart the photo real quick, (laughs) and that way you're not scrolling through thousands of photos of your dog or your kids. (laughs)
0: Well, I did that too, but then um, I'm a photographer, so I've got thousands of photos on my phone right now they're all uh, and, I, yeah. and i heard a lot of, of them so but i found out uh, i can yeah. just make an album and i just titled it uh i think it's just permits and documents because i hunt out of state too and all my licenses go right in that one album i just flipped through because i um uh because i got checked by wildlife manager while quail hunting last year and he got he gave me a weird look and then i realized i showed my <laughs> oklahoma license not my uh, Arizona oh, license. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, you're good there. You need Arizona too." So I don't. Just. I'm sitting there flipping. Like, oh crap!
1: Right. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, Jesse. Now uh, we are encouraging people to have their just digital license because uh, sometimes they ju- they have their license. They just come to the office to get a print out for that and like the paper copy or something because they're comfortable with it, but they already have their electronic version and they just come out for that piece of paper. And right now, um, even in our uh, regs, it states in the information right uh, at the beginning that uh, only digital copies are required. So paper copies are not required. If you have them, that's good. But if you don't have them, like, you don't have to panic and, you know, go somewhere to get that paper license.
0: Yeah, actually, it's, uh, uh, you yeah, know, with me, like, I'm, I'm always gonna leave it in, in my Dove belt and let me quail haunt. Oh crap, I got the wrong belt, I got the <laughs> wrong vest on, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, just easier. I'll, but my phone goes wherever I go, so it's right, just transfers pretty easily. Uh, <laughs> but I am curious, so you were talking about um, these requirements, and I'm just sitting here kind of wondering, like, I'm you know, give my own stories about giving uh, a, a wildlife manager the wrong license, and I was legal, by the way. I had I was, I, just, I was like two, I was two uh, swipes. We away don't from know him.
1: that. We well, can ask him. I'll, I'll call
0: him. I have his number now. Um, but uh, I'm always kind of curious. On so, as a wildlife manager, like, and what do you run into out there? Like, is there like common violations? Is it or, like what kind of challenges are are you kind of running into out there?
2: Yeah. yeah, so definitely a list of common violations, right? Um, generally, most hunters comply with the law, and I truly believe that everybody's out there trying to do the right thing. Um, but we definitely do have a list of common violations that are that we run into all the time. Uh, one of them being people shooting within a quarter mile or four hundred to forty yards of an occupied structure without the owner's permission. Now, I've seen people shooting within a quarter mile, plenty of times, of an occupied structure. And I always go talk to them because it's like, okay, what's going on? But they'll have something like a written written note or something from whoever owns that structure or, you know, whatever that may be. So um, that's probably one of the more common ones. If you know whoever owns the structure that you want to hunt close to... And, you know, reach out to them. Uh, A lot of people are really understanding and are willing to let hunters hunt close. But of course, that's something that you just have to work out with whoever that owner is. Another common violation is shooting from across or into roads or railways. Where this can get a little tricky, um, especially here in Yuma, is, you know, people always ask, well, what's a road? The law defines a road. It has to be maintained. So, a lot of these, you know, smaller two-track farm roads wouldn't count. My rule of thumb is go onto your phone, look at your maps, go on Onyx. Um, If that road is labeled on your maps, most likely it's maintained. So, just do your due diligence, make sure you're not shooting from across or into roads or railways. And again, this is a big safety thing, Uh, that's why it's a law. Um, Another thing is people leaving shotgun shells or litter on the ground. I totally understand, you know, if you're uh, really into your hunt, you're going to shoot and, you know, three shells are on the ground. You don't have to pick them up right away, but just make sure you clear any of that stuff out before you leave the area. Unfortunately, we walk into areas after the fact and it's littered with shotgun shells and that just... That leaves a bad impression on us, on hunters, and it, it, in, you know, it encourages landowners. Like, you know, if people are gonna litter my my land, I don't know if I want to leave them on, let them on again next year. Mm-hmm. So we always encourage hunters. You know, be respectful, and that'll help keep these landowners willing to continue to let you guys come on and hunt on their property. So you know, leave it better than you than it was when you showed up. Uh, Another common violation is making sure that your shotgun is plugged so that it holds no more than two shells in the magazine and one in the chamber. And oftentimes, you know, people will take the plug out and then they'll realize, you know, I'm checking the the shotgun to make sure it's plugged. And I, you know, the third one goes in, the fourth one goes in and they're
1: (laughs) like, oh,
2: oh no. And I've seen people make plugs out of the silliest things out in the field because they want to continue hunting. As long as it you know, holds those two shells in the magazine and one in the chamber, then we are good to go. So no more than three in the gun total. And then another one that I run into often is people, you know, they field dress their, their dove out in the field, so they're not making a mess at home or at the hotel they, they're staying at, but they totally forget to leave one fully feathered wing attached. And the reason that's necessary is so that we can identify the bird and make sure that they're staying within their limits. So once a bird is field dressed, yeah, some of us might be able to tell, you know, whether that's all mourning doves or white wings or Eurasian, but it starts to get really tricky. So if you leave at least one fully feathered wing attached, that's how we can tell exactly how many birds of each species you have. And it's a law.
1: See, do they get a ticket if they don't do that for the feather? yes i've actually given that
2: ticket um and again a lot of this is up to our discretion you know i've run into youth hunters out in the field they were hunting with their dad and i remember the little girl was so excited and she started field dressing the bird and just completely like breasted out a whole bird and oh. no no wing attached obviously in that case you know i could still see the wing off to the side i'm not gonna no one's yeah. gonna sight her you know she was excited she's young But Mm -hmm. I've also run into the total opposite case where, you know, a group of guys during my questioning, I determined that, you know, they've been hunting their whole life. And he straight up admitted like, yeah, I knew I was supposed to leave it on. Mm -hmm. And they had a bag, a whole limit of birds, you know, sitting in the marinade ready to go. (laughs) No no wing attached. So that's one of those, again, it's up to our discretion. But uh, yeah, we totally do cite for that. And so we're on the lookout.
0: No, that's good. Then um one thing I want wanted to throw out for folks that are listening in too is um if you don't know how to field dress, I think Game and Fish has some really cool videos on YouTube that include you know both how to breast them out, you know, breast them out once you get home with them and then also, you know, in the field um and how to do it with while leaving that that attached. Um I think I I, I know I've seen those on the Game and Fish YouTube channel before.
2: Right. And then while while it came to mind, Um, Another thing that's somewhat, you know, the respectful thing to do, if you are cleaning your birds out in the field, a lot of hunters will pack, you know, all that, all those feathers and those wings, they'll pack that out or they'll either make an effort to kind of dig a little hole and bury it so that these landowners fields aren't just littered in feathers and, you know, bird parts It just, it's not a really good look. So we really appreciate it if you guys clean up after yourselves or at least make an effort to bury that stuff. So we're keeping things as clean as possible.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean, doves get, doves especially out of all the birds I've cleaned, they, they got to be the messiest ones when you're, when you're plucking them.
2: Yeah. And I mean, 15 adds up. That's a lot of feathers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know one little trick I've been kind of playing with is, uh, having a grocery bag in front of me that I can put the bird into while, so, but I, if I can rig it up so it's left, the bag itself is open, well, I can stick my hand down there and do all my work, you know, but I, I usually leave the birds whole until I get home, Um so it's yeah. a little bit easier because I can, I have stuff here to do it with, but it's kind of handy because everything kind of mostly stays in the bag and then I can just, it's, it's easier to clean up and it's, um living in the, in the city, you know, folks aren't seeing bird carcasses around, everything gets kind of it just goes away, um yeah, right, but there's little ways to do that and keep it keep it nice and clean,
2: yeah
0: for sure, um so what I'm th- think I'm kind of wondering is uh so Zara, so we're talking about on the website you got all this stuff that's happened you know everybody hears about the stuff, but of course that's you know in the past, you know stuff that's happened before um right. What's 2022 looking like? Like uh, what kind of like events like what's going on in Yuma this year? What's planned out?
1: Ooh, there are, there are a bunch of things planned uh, for this year. Like um, every year we plan so many things and then it just keeps on adding on to it because all the community members want to do everything. Uh, they really come together to be able to, you know, try to do different things in the different days. And it's just very fun. So this year. There is a youth dove hunt um, and a dove hunters barbecue planned by Yuma Valley Rod and Gun Club and Southwest Wildlife Foundation. And there is also basically two dove cook-off competitions. One is organized by uh, backcountry hunters and anglers, and the other one is with Sprigs. There would be information about Spragues in there soon. I, I don't think it's added yet, but there's also uh, an all-women hunting group Called Yuma Desert Doves and Women on the Wing chapter for present forever. And they they kinda started a five-month introductory series for beginner women that are that want to hunt. And their finale is gonna be in the dove season. For the dove hunt so their finale is basically the final event is the actual hunt before that they had a series of things they had to go through including including the hunter's education and all that so um in this this time they have the dove hunts prepared and uh there's also a post hunt up cleanup event which is very interesting so we get volunteers from all across yuma we also have a place in the website and also Visit Yuma help us gather all these volunteers and the cleanup event starts from Sprague Sport. And there are locations where they go and clean up uh, if there's any shells left behind or any kind of trash on the fields. Like Yossi said, if there are private landowners and they realize that you know the litter is behind, it just backfires on us and we don't get access anymore. Um, Because they're doing their part, they're growing the crop, they're getting the birds, and um, hunters are leaving behind trash. So for that, we also get help from APS. APS send uh, us a bunch of um, trash cans that we put on different locations for dove hunting purposes. And people can actually dispose of their trash in those bins. And then at the cleanup event, or after it, or before it, we actually take them out and, uh, you know, dispose of them. So the the field remains clean as possible (laughs) and uh, you know the Visit Yuma, Yuma Foothills Rotary, Sprake Sports, Game and Fish, all of them together organize this cleanup event. And this year also we are looking for volunteers. We have um, I think on the website we have a form that they can fill out. They can sign up there and um, they will be contacted and they can come and help out. The more the better.
0: No, that's really cool. That's that's not something you hear about very often is going about out kind of after the fact and you know, making sure everybody's kind of cleaned up. And that's awesome. Yeah. So that's going to be a pretty and this is all going on opening weekend.
1: Yes, it is. It's going to be crazy. That's going to
0: be an insane opening weekend. <laughs> so So
1: the, the the cleanup event is however after the season, but everything else is in the opening weekend.
0: Oh, it's after the season. Yes. Okay. No, that's awesome, And then, because uh, that's going to be kind of crazy to do all that party, and then, you know, you, gotta, you would be out there in the dark picking up feathers, and <laughs> <but> no, <laughs> no, that's going to be good, getting everybody cleaned up, and um, so yeah, and then like we said, all this information, uh, or pretty much all the information, it sounds like there's a couple things going to be added to it, or uh, yes. all on the website, all on that, uh, what was the URL again, yumadovehunting.com.
1: Correct, humadovehunting.com and uh, they can always um, go to different tabs there, get the license information, events information, regulations, FAQs, any kind of, they also have phone numbers for the, you know, respective organizations that are, that come together for this event. They also have uh, phone numbers for people um, that they want to contact for getting tribal permit or anything like that so there are like contact information on that website for anybody who's coming from outside or coming from arizona itself or coming from anywhere in the united states so that or outside the united states too
0: right yeah because it's because it, yuma's well, i mean it's pretty much just northern cordoba right just a uh, lot of dove hunting going in one spot
1: yeah
2: but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know, those ones that have been doing it forever, they know where the good spots are. <laughs> That's true.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: That's right. I always recommend hunters, you know, talk to the hunters around you and usually people are pretty nice and willing to share some other good spots or areas where they've had success the day before or in the past. Right. Uh, and that changes. It can change from day to day, from morning to morning, from morning to evening. Right. Uh, so it's just constantly changing.
1: Yeah, some people want to, for instance, we have these partnership fields and I'm sure Yossi also has to deal with some people who try to get like the GPS locations for the location where they can go and hunt. But we try to encourage people to come and scout because even sometimes we don't know that that could be a good place for them to be and we direct them or, you know, to another directions and, and they actually can find a better um, better plot somewhere where they already are. So scouting always helps. We encourage them to scout, and currently we do have a lot of uh, private landowners who have been partnering with us in the uh, plot program, and some of them are in Maricopa. So that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so I didn't realize that they were all the way up into Maricopa County. I thought all this was kind of down, you know, kind of staking down that Yuma area, but a little bit of it is coming back up towards Phoenix, so that's pretty awesome. Um <laughs> Yeah, cause yeah, I had no idea that – before you and I were talking about this, you know, doing this podcast, I had no idea that that was a a program here in Arizona. Then um, I spoke to my boss about it. And he kind of looked at me like I had three heads, like, yeah, we have that program.
1: <laughs> no, we have this program for a while, I think. But uh, the thing is that it hasn't been expanding because of some of the issues that um, the growers have about the, you know, food safety concerns for the leafy greens. And they think if they allow hunters in, or if they allow birds on their land that is enjoying the leafy greens or produce area, they will get some kind of pathogens in their leafy greens. But currently there has been a study done by uh, University of Arizona that actually proved that wildlife has nothing to do with any kind of pathogens on the leafy greens. So that has made some good advancements in this, in this category. And people are now, um, kind of uh, you know warming up to the the program again
0: no that's pretty that's pretty awesome um man i'm i can't honestly can't think oh i got one more question for each of you but i'm gonna, I'm gonna do it after this next part um i but i think we're kind of wrapped up uh kind of wondering if you guys have any you know closing comments or any ideas um i'm gonna have one more question for you after this so hold out but um Uh, but Yosi, you got any kind of clothes out for us?
2: Yeah, sure. If you're a dove hunter and you're looking for a place to hunt this season, we would love to have you in Yuma. It really is the place to be. Um, Yuma has so much to offer. We're a cute, small, you know, quirky little town (laughs) and it's really rich in history, really good food. I mean, we're pretty close to the border, so we have really good food. (laughs) There's fishing opportunity, boating, you know so much there's so much more to it and so we'd love to have you you know this dove season and of course don't forget to buy your hunting license and your migratory bird stamp you know before you make your way out here um yeah we're just excited to see you guys and excited for this season to kick off
0: perfect how about zara you got anything to to end with
1: yeah if you are uh, a grower and hearing us um you know, feel free to contact us and know more about the Dev Plot program. And uh, if you're a hunter, uh, you know, trying to visit Yuma, do check out our yumadovehunting.com website where you'll find everything you need to plan the trip to Yuma. It mentions all events to be held during the duck season and all the places that you could go for hunting.
0: That's awesome. I think that's a good way to end it. But I got that one one question I asked this to everybody that's on the podcast. Um I'm gonna start with you, Yosie, but uh your hunting season, your hunting season coming up, what does your fall look like? On your on the personal side, I know you're gonna be pretty busy as a as a manager.
2: So personally or as a wildlife manager, what uh, does my fall look like?
0: Personally, I'm kinda curious like did you, did you draw any cool tags? Um oh. hunting over the counter
2: no i wish um i this would have been a little bit more of an exciting conversation last year Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) most of you know i patrol and usually the seasons that are open i patrol them very heavily once the excitement of you know opening weekend dies down for dove i'm definitely gonna make my my way out to my locations you know around Mm -hmm. the yuma and Summerton area because i love dove hunting it's it's really fun and you know I hope to get my kids into that, you know, when they're a little bit older. But um, yeah, any chance I can escape and do my own hunting, I love to. But unfortunately, <laughs> I'm working the dove hunt pretty consistently. Um, shortly after that, our general deer season opens up, which I'll—I don't have a tag for, unfortunately. But I'll be out there patrolling. And then um, shortly after the general deer hunt, we have our bighorn sheep hunt. Which opens up in December, which honestly to me is super exciting because I consider bighorn sheep like the unicorns <laughs> of, of the world. You know, they're pretty phenomenal, spectacular, hardy creatures. So it's always really cool to see hunters out in the field um, with that tag of a lifetime. So.
1: Nothing exciting for me personally, but that's what I got to look forward to. I, I would be very surprised if you would have said, I'll take a vacation or something, because I know you, you know how many things you have to do, so yeah, it would yeah, have so been surprising to
2: hear. One season after another here in these winter months, but that's okay. I <laughs> love talking to people and seeing their harvests, and even if they don't harvest, just the experiences being able to share even a snapshot of that with them is just really cool.
0: That's really cool. That's a It got me really curious though what what made it so exciting last year though.
2: Oh, well, it wasn't super exciting. I had a unit 41 deer tag, which for me was it was like super exciting, but it was a horrible year to hunt deer oh, <laughs> because no. it had just rained right before the season opened and the deer were out in the desert. I mean, uh, deer hunting down here is much different than deer hunting up north. It's, these are desert deer and normally during a dry year, you know, these deer will flock to the ag, uh, where there's leafy greens, there's a reliable water source, but that year the deer wanted absolutely nothing to do with the agriculture they were so spread out and dispersed into the desert so it was a really rough hunt but it was exciting to get out and you know be able to do some scouting and talk to all the other hunters who were also having no luck (laughs) um
1: but
0: (laughs) no it's a happy experience
2: right it's (laughs) not necessarily about tagging out so absolutely
0: so zara how's your season gonna look
1: well i'm pretty excited about the dove season honestly Um, there are a few people that I've already asked to tag along with me (laughs) to show them around and show them how Yuma is because I try to you know promote Yuma's Dove Hunt so much I want them to know how good it's gonna be and then I'm mentoring the women all women Dove Hunt this year so I will be with the women group as a mentor this year that would be pretty cool I hope I don't yell on anyone uh, but I won't be the first one so (laughs) 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 That's something, and uh, yeah, I have this whole thing planned for the season, so I'm just looking forward to
0: it. Oh, that's a, that sounds like a good year, I mean, yeah, no, looking forward to Dove for sure. It's always a, it's always a good time of Dove hunting.
1: Yeah, well, you are welcome to come.
0: I'm probably going to, don't, don't offer it, because I'm going to take you up on it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, bring some friends down and come down, it's, it's really fun, it's really exciting, especially if you have other people to share that experience with.
0: Yeah, dove hunting is one of those that you got to have somebody there with you. It's it's fun yeah. by yourself, but it's definitely buddy when, uh, funnier when you have a buddy that's always missing birds next to you. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But all right, yeah. ladies, I think that's gonna wrap it up for us. I can't thank you guys enough for for coming on and you know sharing Yuma dove hunting.
1: Thank you so much for inviting us over, Jesse. I know we give you a hard time. <laughs> no,
2: thank you. I really enjoyed this. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, I'm definitely glad. So I guess until next time we'll uh we'll see you guys later.
1: See ya. See ya. Thanks, Jesse.